Welcome to Never Rewrite. I'm Isaac Askew. And I'm Jeffrey Sherman. And today we're going to discuss the rewrite cycle. Mm. So today's theme, uh, you know, the rewrite cycle or what to expect when you're rewriting. If you're on a team that's doing a rewrite, the 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 pitch is typically we're gonna we there's some new technology, some new thing that compels us to rewrite. So First, we're going to learn all about it. Then we're going to build a framework to recreate the old system. We're going to then do all the business work. We'll cut over and there'll be like a final push of like random cleanup stuff. And those are distinct, semi-distinct phases. And if you've never been through it before and you have no idea what to expect, it's going to feel very weird. Okay. So kind of... It, and I've had a number of friends who ended up on rewrites and were like, hey, this is what's going on. And it feels very weird. Is this normal? It's like, well, yes, maybe. So kind of the first part, you finally, you've got some system that's terrible and you can't maintain it. And like adding features is impossible. And mm -hmm. you've convinced your manager, hey, we're going to do a rewrite. We're going to change this terrible PHP system and we're going to rewrite it. And it's going to be awesome because we're going to use... Kafka or Kubernetes or Go or Closure, <laughs> you know, random, whatever the, the thing is, the technology or idea that's going to be so powerful, Spring Boot, like there's, it's going to be so transformationally different than what we have that it's going to be amazing just because. Right, the main pitch. It, it's full of fairy dust and it's just the, the fairy dust is going to blow on us and we're all going to fly. Nice. And <laughs> Tinkerbell is going to help if you clap harder, folks. It's hard to resist that as a uh, selling point. It, it is. Fairy, pick fairy dust. Um, and so this is kind of the, the best part of the project. It's, it's a total greenfield. And you're learning how to use this new technology. You don't even know how you're going to solve the problem. You just know that you've give, been given permission mm -hmm. by the business to spend some time figuring it out super fun part because you're learning uh you don't really have any deliverables other than being able to say mm, yes yes we can do this and you already know what you're delivering too it's not like you have to have product discovery at that point you're building something that already exists right yes you're you've got a solid deliverable that is the same thing more or less that you have today it's just not sucky yeah there's there's a comfort there in like having fleshed out acceptance criteria. You know, it won't be a sudden change or anything. Well, <laughs> that's kind of the first trap is you haven't really fleshed out the acceptance criteria because yeah, it doesn't work know. the same as before. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew what that is, if you knew how it works today in any confident manner, you wouldn't have trouble changing it. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you 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 have vague acceptance criteria. You you have squishy except this criteria see. that you think is is solid but it's not it's it's all scope creep okay okay so you're having fun you're going to do this stuff okay now you have to build a framework right because you're not evolving a system based on a business need you are recreating a system right so if you've got imagine we're big on boat metaphors if somebody started off with a <laughs> small ship and they made it a little bigger and they added a you know a, a railing here so that they could mount fishing poles and then they added a winch in the back so they could have nets 
and you've got this monstrosity of a fishing vessel. And like, okay, cool, I'm going to build a fishing vessel. Well, now you need to build a framework for building a fishing vessel if you're, if you're going to set out to build this pristine thing that's going to be nice and clean. So rather than diving in, the second phase of a rewrite is I have to build a framework to build the thing. Oh. And that's still pretty fun because you get to imagine all the scenarios and you get to talk about interfaces and objects at a high level and you move things around mm -hmm. them like whiteboards. And like, oh, well, we're going to have this and there's going to be these patterns. And it, it's fun. It is still a lot of fun. Um, and this is also where the other teams, like the people who are maintaining the system, if it's not you yourself or the same team, because um, it usually... You've got the rewrite team and the maintenance team. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're, you're you're talking to the maintenance team. You're explaining to them all the wonderful things that you've learned in the fun and, in the fun and games part, and they're going to become resentful of you uh, <laughs> because they're human beings and they did not get to do the fun and games. They had to continue <laughs> to work on the crappy part, which everyone knows is so crappy because the businesses agreed to rewrite it. Uh, so you're going to be discussing the business rules and all that, uh, and you feel this tension. And it's extremely important to lean into the uh, tension and listen to what the people maintaining the system are telling you, because it's going to be very easy to say, oh, well, we're doing a brand new thing. We're not going to have these problems and retreat to kind of an ivory tower type mindset, especially when the people that you're talking to, the, the maintainers, are telling you stuff you don't want to hear about why what you're doing isn't going to work. Mm. Because it's going to be very easy to say, oh, well, that... Yes, I can see how that doesn't work in the current system because the current system is terrible. But you know, in the new system, it's <laughs> right. No, it's it's over, you're oversimplifying how you're going to solve it in the new one, and the the other people maintaining it are like, yeah, it's not that simple. Right? You, like, yes, you could make you could simplify it that way, but you're not allowed to. Um, kind of a, a classic one that I remember, just because it's so cut and dry. Uh, I was working on a loan mortgage loan system mm -hmm. and the state of Kentucky has a rule that if you are not licensed in the state of Kentucky, you can't print the documents and huh. you need to be able to prove that you can't print the documents. And so the, there's this whole clunky workaround around whether or not the print button is going to be enabled in the system. <laughs> and if customer looked, ID equals... <laughs> Yeah, like why? Why does the customer ID have anything? To, why would you bind the cust the the user to the print button? Mm -hmm. Like it, like it's idiotic. You would never do this. It doesn't make any sense. Except that there's a law, and you have no choice. Like it's not up for debate. You must do this. Yeah, it just um, reminds me of like traditional, like a big client asking for one exception, or just having to make an exception. So you hard code some, you know, string somewhere, which is in this case the state of Kentucky. Yes, right. It's they're, they're the kinds of exceptions that the, the maintaining crew knows about that you don't know mm -hmm. about, and they're not up for debate. Right. Like you could discuss how terrible they are, and the maintaining crew will agree with you that this is Kentucky is being silly. But you still got to do it. But you still got to do it. <laughs> right? Well, whether the Kentucky is wrong or not, that's what the law says. You cannot print these docs. You can't have the print button enabled. Yeah, but I'm making a PDF, and it's going to get automatically no, no no it's fine it's fine if the computer does it but they no human can print these things out interesting all right um 
Yes. If, if you ever want to have just absolutely soul crushing in terms of, of edge cases, soul crushing design discussions, uh, anything where you're heavily regulated and you have to discuss how it's going to work with a lawyer is guaranteed to be soul crushing because the lawyer is going to tell you all kinds of things that you can't do that make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> and they're not up for debate. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> So now you're building a framework and you've got a framework you're on to step three, which is now you have to match the moving target. Um, you know, a few months ago, you're like, oh, I'm just going to rebuild. I'm going to build a new system and it's going to match the old system. Mm -hmm. And in the three months that you've been learning and building a framework, the old system has been maintained and it's mm -hmm. different. Oh, so yeah. anything you thought you knew is potentially wrong. Because they're right, still so pushing updates and making changes the clients are asking for, et cetera. Right. There's new features. There's changes. Um, so any work you did that was like, oh, well, I'm just going to you know, plant my flag on the sand. This is how it's going to be. Throw that all out the window. If you've got you know, a rules engine, there are going to be new rules. And those rules are almost certainly going to have new exceptions. Um, you know, reports are going to be different. They're probably, you know, depending on how big your organization is, there might be entire new data sources. Mm -hmm. So any of that planning you had before, out the window. And hopefully your framework is very malleable because now the rubber is starting to hit the road. Um, right. When you switch from the framework to actually building the business logic the, you, and you're trying to hit this moving target, it instantly becomes much less fun because now, now you have to understand what the old system is doing. So the, and, and you're building the old system too at this point. So you're you're essentially doing the maintenance work. It's kind of like bled over because you can't just deliver the snapshot in time from the original rewrite uh, because of that. You'd be asking the company to not deliver anything in the entire length of your project of the, of the rewrite. And of course, that's a very common request. Uh, right. I, many rewrites, at least four rewrites that I've seen. Part of it was we're not going to deliver any new features only critical bugs for six months while we do the rewrite. Which, yeah, that's just not acceptable. And then once you get to the part where you have to be, you know, adding new things for the customer, then you're, you're making duplicative work for your rewrite as well. It's not Greenfield anymore. It's it's just a, a second monolith almost. Yes, your, build, your, your Greenfield is now trying to sync up and match the duplicate work. Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's a good point is you're also duplicating. Like the company's not double spending. It's not yeah. just spending to replace, it's replace and redo. Cool. So now you are trying to match this moving target, which means that you now have to get full, complete understanding of the of the old system so you can re-implement it in the new system. Um, fun, and fun thing that happens a lot here um, is the thing that you didn't want to do in that nobody wanted to do in the first place, which is you're going to end up writing unit tests and refactoring the old system mm -hmm. so that you can be confident about what it's doing so that you can implement it in the new system. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes during this phase, you'll be amazed to learn that lots and lots of defects and bugs in the old system get closed out because you needed to get understanding or you don't want to recreate the bug so you have to fix the bug in the old system so you don't have to report uh, it. <laughs> further increasing the scope of time to deliver. Yeah, yeah further. It, this is when the everything explodes. 
Right. Yeah. For the for rewrites that fail, this is the the this is where the death march starts because mm -hmm. everything that you cut over is taking you know it's going to take a lot more effort and time than than you expected. For ones that uh, succeed, they the don't go to this way. Well, I mean, the the whole point is of this podcast is never rewrite. It's almost right. impossible to succeed. <laughs> but for, for the cycles of success for this yes. route, it's when the company can say no new features and lock it down, you're saying? That that is helpful, right? If you can say get that locked down uh and get to this section, get through this section fast enough, then you you've got a shot at it. Gotcha. Uh, the, the next thing that happens is the actual cutover. Um so now you've got Two systems, right? The old system that works, however it works, you know, it, much of it, the way it works is undefined, but it's acceptable because that's what it is. And you've got the new system, which mm -hmm. works exactly as you understand, and that may or may not be acceptable because you understand it, even if it's the same as the old system. And now you have to cut over. The big so bang cut to, over from episode one. <laughs> the big bang cut over. Um, the the force awakens, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've got both systems running and now you need to somehow get a customer from one to the other. And what has happened in a few cases that where a cut, where a rewrite has reached this point is suddenly that everyone looks around and says, Oh, Oh shit. How do we actually cut a customer over? Like if you haven't been planning for this from the very beginning, cutting a customer over is probably going to be difficult. Um, you know, the ideally you do a big bang cutover. If you've got, you know, if it's all just the service mm -hmm. uh, and the database remains the same, then theoretically you just turn off the old system. You know, declare a five minute maintenance window, turn off the old system, turn on the new system, and it all and works. The, right in the the optimistic method. Yes. Um, more likely you do that and now you get a huge explosion of bugs, things that don't work. Or, and or, well, just and, there's all the things that are new that are value adds, which may or may not work correctly as far as the customer is concerned. Right, so if you've got, you know, a, a brand new design, the customer might hate it or it might not be actually usable for the customer's use case because it's different. So mm -hmm. you've got this cutover part, which again is going to bog down and, and kind of be soul crushing because it feels like you're so close, but yeah. all this work keeps appearing that you had didn't know was going to be there. The last ten percent, ninety percent of the work. <laughs> yeah, the, the last ten percent is ninety percent of the work. And so if you, but if you make that cutover and you can make the cutover stick, uh, then you enter the final phase, which is the the final push. Uh, there is some amount of work that was just out of scope for the rewrite that you're going to pick up later, right? You need to finish it because otherwise you can't turn the old system off. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's all the hodgepodge things that are just kind of grafted onto the side of the system that aren't, like if you've got a rules engine, it might also have a, I don't know, incoming email validator and router for no good reason at all. Right. It's like, oh well, customer, you know, this does all the customer work. And so customer support emails come in here and then it puts them in the database. 
Mm-hmm. Totally unrelated to being a rules engine. Just it's right. Because somebody shoved needed someplace to shove something and they shoved it there. Happens. The final, the the final, it, it always happens. The final push is another last ten percent that takes ninety percent of the work most times because there's all this random stuff that you didn't know was there because it doesn't make any sense. Like unless you knew it was there, you wouldn't go looking for it. And because the old system was such a monstrosity and a mess, it wasn't obvious that it was there. But it's the you know, uh, this is where you've got techniques where you're like looking at oh well, is anything still connecting to the old system? Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> check the logs. Well, well, check the log. Like what? Who's connecting to this thing? We've cut everything over. Oh, <laughs> there's like these thirty endpoints that we've never heard of. No one's ever mentioned them. And it's like oh yeah, this one guy five years ago did these things. And. This- this happens uh, similarly in, in work where, you, where when you try to upgrade something, like you try to upgrade to a new version and you make like a duplicate version of the service. Mm-hmm. That way you can test to make sure that the, all the big, huge, major version upgrades still worked. And then you look at the logs of the old system after you think you switched everything over to the new one. And then you, you discover the same thing. Like, <laughs> what is talking to the system still? And you find some really old stuff that you didn't even think about. You're like, oh, my God, like this the password resets going through this <laughs> like well, what in the world and so you uh not even not even uh in rewrites but just uh in standing up services like that you can you can see the same thing happen yes yeah rewrite uh, password reset is a great example of well we have to have it somewhere mm-hmm. it's got to live somewhere yeah uh, but yeah if you didn't know it was there uh, so the final push can also become a giant headache because you've got, you want to shut down the old system. Like you need to burn the bridge, burn the ship so that no, because inevitably somebody's like, oh, well, why don't we just fail back? Like, no, 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 we got to shut the old system down. <laughs> um, usually there's also a lot of theoretical cost savings that you don't realize until you shut the old system down, right? Because possibly you're running double servers, uh, yeah. you know, all your cloud infrastructure, relatively cheap these days, but way back when that was a much bigger concern. And just you know, shutting it down. Um, but yes, and then eventually you shut the old system down, have a party, and declare <laughs> that's kind of the the success cycle. Get promoted. The, get promoted. <laughs> Take that title for a new job at the best company in the world. Money just starts coming in. <laughs> well, you've learned all these new things, right? It's yeah. a, the new version's all uh, machine learning and AI, and it wrote itself. And then you take that and you leave the company that funded the whole mission in the first place. Um, there you go. That that is a sad, <laughs> sad truism that's likely to happen in success or failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that you know if the if the flavor of the week is valuable, the people who are working on it might get poached. Uh, it's actually yeah. fairly common that they will get poached. That's definitely something I didn't consider at all. Right, that's not even a problem with the rewrite itself. That's just a yeah. I, I would recommend people leaders not worry about that. <laughs> uh well just like look, you're the inev it people don't make a decision about what's good for the company out of like don't not make a good decision for the company out of fear that people that work for the company are going to learn new skills, become more valuable, and then leave. 
Yeah, that, that's that, that's think about what kind of always horrible... assume that this, that's the case. Like you don't want people not growing at your company. Right. Think about what kind of a horrible person you'd have to be like, no, no, no. I know this might this might make us a lot of money, but then my developers are going to be better. And having made having helped them grow, they're gonna leave. It's like what kind of just you'd have to be such a heartless curmudgeon. So don't I know I know at least two people <laughs> that would think <laughs> that way. I definitely have, have worked with people that think that way. Like, oh, if I train these people, they're going to be able to get better jobs and they'll leave. I must hamstring them. I, I, <laughs> must, yeah, I, must, their careers for my... I must sabotage my own people <laughs> because otherwise they might leave me. Like, or, or they might leave you because you're sabotaging them and you're a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> it was their fault. <laughs> they they made no me company loyalty. No. <laughs> yeah, this is some dark psychology. Yes, yes. Um, so anyway, don't be that person. Mm. And so right. bringing it back, those are the five phases of a successful rewrite. The the learning where you're getting sprinkled with fairy dust, the building of framework, matching of moving target, the cutover, which is a grossly underestimated part, uh, and the final push. When you're thesis shipping, uh, as instead of doing a full rewrite, the cutover and the final push never materialize. Mm-hmm. Because there is no cutover and yeah. there is no final push. Um, the trick is finding a way to learn and build a new framework while still maintaining and iterating on the, the original, so that you never have two systems uh, and two of the four, two of the five pieces just fall away. Got it. So we're going over five parts of success of a fever dream rewrite that pretty much never happens and, mm-hmm. but still falling back on you don't need two of these pieces of success if you just iterate right right just cut away two two entire phases and mm-hmm. increase the odds of success immeasurably right it's one of those things where like the risk is so astronomical once you understand uh the pitfalls especially of that last 10 percent you're talking about the things you're not expecting um that if you actually adequately assess the risk you would see that picking the rewrite uh is the worst decision and uh it's like it's like uh, gambling at the casino essentially it's like yeah sure it might work but stars would have to align you'd have to have good leadership you'd have to have great technologists You'd have to freeze your development cycle and be okay with not delivering features. This, 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 that, and that. And if all that aligns, then maybe you have a 1% chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and all the while paying double for uh, you know duplicative systems, double for engineers maintaining the old system while building the new system. You just have to be like drowning in cash and just <laughs> really a gambling person to, to really give the sign off on all this or just be ignorant of our podcast. Yes. Well, to go with the, with the metaphor, uh, you can count cards and make money at blackjack. If you go into a casino and the casino knows that you can do this. Mm-hmm. And yet the casino offers the game because it knows that 99% of people who think they can count cards or win at blackjack are fooling themselves and they will take your money. So there's a, there's a dark capitalistic overlord here encouraging people to do this so they waste their money 
Well, <laughs> the casinos have a dark capitalistic overlord because they are literally a business designed to take your money in exchange for entertainment, <laughs> ideally. Uh, well, so we could start here. We go back to dark psychology. We could start a business where we convince companies to do the wrong thing, so we can milk them for cash, Jeffrey. Yes. We well, if you go back evil. in our in, in the back catalog, we had the um, perverse incentives for doing a rewrite episode where mm -hmm. we talk about all the reasons, all the things that encourage people to make this wrong choice. Yeah. Well, they're there for sure. There's money in it. Don't there, do there it. is money in it. Yes. Don't be evil. There's money in being wrong and evil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm confused at the moral direction of this podcast now. <laughs> well, we we covered a can cover it at a later time, but I'm mm -hmm. I'm toying with the idea of calling the rewrite the villain's journey. Oh. Because like there's the hero cycle. Mm -hmm. Um where you, you embark on this quest and you overcome adversity and then you come all the way back around and you come back changed and virtuous and successful. And the, the flip side mm -hmm. of that would be the villain's journey where you begin the cycle um, and you must be defeated. So, yeah. and it like, you know, if, if villainy wins, you come out worse in the end. Okay. All right. I'm actually very interested in this, uh, this podcast episode. Yes, we, we will have to do a future episode on the, the villain's the villain's journey. Or the villain's, the villain's journey, yeah. The villain's uh -huh. journey of a rewrite. Good. And that will also adequately help us, you know, paint it as a bad thing rather than joke about right. doing it. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. That's future episode. You're going to have to stay tuned for the villain's journey. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Jeffrey Sherman. And I'm Isaac. Who am I? <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm Isaac Casker, <laughs> and this is never rewrite. Right. I'm, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>